I'm Dr. Michelle Thaller, and this is Orbital Path, a show from PRX about the cosmos and our place in it. Before we get into my episode, I wanted to let you know about a sister podcast of Orbital Paths called Transistor from PRX. Transistor is a series on scientific curiosities and current events, everything from a female graphic designer who designed the first home pregnancy test to the mystery of an electric lake in upstate New York. There are new episodes every other Thursday, and you can subscribe on iTunes or wherever else you listen. And now, here's Orbital Path. People often ask me, how did I know I wanted to be an astronomer? It's not something that occurs to most people to spend their life like that. And the funny thing is, I can't remember wanting to be anything else. I think from when I was a very small child, as soon as I knew what a job was, I wanted to do something having to do with space. And the other thing I can't imagine life without is my mother. This incredible woman, her name is Hannah McDermott, and she lives in Hartford, Wisconsin now, was raising two daughters as a single mother, was working full-time, you know, just working her butt off. And there was this little child trailing behind, wanting to ask questions about the universe, who wanted to be an astronaut or wanted to be an astronomer, and she had no context to put this in. So I thought on Mother's Day I would ask Mom to look back on our life together and give me some context about the amazing job she did, giving me the power to pursue my dreams. You know, I get asked a lot, almost every talk I give, someone will say, when did you know you wanted to become an astronomer? And you'd think after all this time, I'd have a good answer. And instead, I always just kind of stare off into space and I, I kind of make faces because I don't really remember not being interested in astronomy. I, I think it sort of happened from when I was a very small child. Do you remember any time when you realized something was up? Well, I certainly agree with you. It happened when you were a very small child. I mean, I still have a memory um, of being a young parent, grocery shopping, having bags of groceries that are schlepped into the house, and you kind of trailing behind me as, I would say, a four-year-old at least, and just insisting, just babbling to me about the stars and already starting to identify constellations, and you just always, when you were outside, and especially if it was dark, your attention was up, you know, whether you were four years old, five years old, and it came out of nowhere because it is not something that your father or I certainly never encouraged, and we were just puzzled where this came from. So here we are in the Midwest, you know, wonderful, normal people, and you have a kid that wants to be an astronaut. And one of the ways you might start on that path is they had just started something in Huntsville, Alabama called Space Camp. So I came to you and said, I'm going to Space Camp. That's right. Absolutely. And, you know, Space Camp, of course, here we are in Wisconsin. Space Camp is in Alabama. I'm hoping that, you know, your desire to go to camp would be okay by just a local Y camp that's 15 miles out of the way, and certainly a lot less money in terms of entrance and transportation. 
but you were bound and determined to go to space camp and didn't only go once, went twice and uh, took it incredibly serious. I think you were convinced that your career path was going to go right from space camp to the junior astronaut corps, right into the next mission. And by the time you were 16, you'd be blasting off. Yeah. <laughs> well, certainly, I, I hope for that, yeah. Now, um, I remember I had to raise some money to go to space camp. I did uh, babysitting. I mean, what else can a 12-year-old girl do, really? Yes. And uh, that probably is partially why I'd never had children. I mean, I, I did a lot of babysitting. And it's not that there were any hugely traumatic experiences, but I just didn't like it. I didn't particularly like the babies at all. But there was enough money, and you scraped together whatever you could. You know, we, we, we did not come from a rich family. Money was very tight. You were a single mother uh, raising two kids, working full time, uh, as at that point as a telephone operator. Yes. Space camp to me was incredibly profound. So that was the first time that I went to a place where my entire peer group, they were all weirdos like me, right? They all loved space. They all loved astronauts. So there were three girls out of maybe a class of, of about 50 kids, I think. And I just had a ball. I had an absolute ball. Welcome aboard, campers. I'm Zach Bergstrom, director of space camp. We're going to train you just like NASA trains astronauts. I didn't say real astronauts because it's space camp. You are real astronauts. You know, we trained all week long for our, our mission, or that we had a simulated mission at the end of the week, and I was chosen to be the commander of the mission. I remember, yes. And in fact, at the very end of the week of space camp, they had an award ceremony, and I was actually voted best camper. And this was a revelation to me. Um, I remember the ecstasy. The unbridled ecstasy of that moment where, oh, my God, I've actually been recognized as somebody worthwhile in a scientific, technical yes. you know, way. And maybe there's something to this. Maybe I really could do this someday. Um, I loved that so much that I went a little nuts. I think that, you know, you just thought that the whole world now needed to see that you were a space cadet. You, you needed to wear your little astronaut jumpsuit at every possible opportunity. You know, when the doorbell rang, whether it was the UPS man or a neighbor coming for coffee, Michelle would race upstairs, put her jumpsuit on, and come back downstairs to visit, you know, as a pseudo-astronaut. <laughs> It was embarrassing at times, I must admit. But my poor sister, you know, for example, I would wear my little spacesuit to places like the mall. <laughs> That's right. And Susie, who was trying to have a normal teenager experience, <laughs> wanted nothing to do with this older sister who was at, you know, this is the 1980s. I mean, you go to the mall for your, your, your cruising and all the whole social structure. And here she is with her sister in a flight suit. <laughs> it's amazing she doesn't hate me more than she does. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I think she survived. But it was, uh, you know, I think, well, and of course, every single Halloween, you had to be an astronaut or Princess Leia. I mean, we've got Star Wars coming in at about the same time. And any opportunity, however far reaching it was, to show the world that you were going to do something that had to do with either space or being an astronaut. Uh, you may not have known the exact path, but you never wavered as to 
what your what your dream was going to be and it was definitely going to be something having to do with the skies I think that you could easily have said Hey, little kid growing up in a small Midwestern town, there's no way that you're ever going to be able to do this. I mean, you just don't have the contacts. You don't have the, the academic preparation. But you never said that. You, you never put limits on my dreams. Well, I, f- I think that's right. And, and I feel very bad when I hear of instances where parents try to limit their children. I think what I always said to you... Um, if you can manage it, you know, be my guest. I mean, especially like getting into college, you sought it out on your own. I didn't really want you to go away that far, you know, to the East Coast. You know, I thought you probably had a 10% chance, you know, to get into Harvard. But I wasn't entirely surprised when you managed it, like you've managed most of your life. And as you know, you know, I really struggled. I mean, this is another thing people don't seem to understand about an academic path, that they assume it all came easy. You know, yeah. you, you're some kind of a wizard. You're some kind of a magical, strange person. And this stuff just, you get it immediately. And I was blown out of the water and, and quite ashamed by how I was doing, uh, especially in my physics and math classes at Harvard. Uh, some of them I barely passed. I mean, I, I managed to pass them. But the idea that something you love has to be something that comes easily to you is another big misconception people have. On the other side of it all, I loved learning the physics. I loved learning the math. You know, but during the actual education, I was just... I do, I do remember that. I remember the phone calls home. I remember the visits home. And you were there for the four years, uh, basically on your own. I drove you there, came to visit once in between time, and came for graduation. You know, there really wasn't any help from us, either financially you know, or academically. That was just so, so out of our league. But um, you just planted your feet. And uh, I think just said to the whole establishment, if you drag me out of here, I'll go. But otherwise, <laughs> I'm here to say it. I'll see if I can get that degree. So in the end, I did get that degree in astrophysics, and I got a couple more degrees after that. And through this whole thing, Mom really never wanted to understand <laughs> what it was I was studying. And I think more than that, she saw me work so hard and, and, and suffer and, and go through a lot of insecurity and a lot of self-doubt for something that she really couldn't understand the value of. The most basic questions that I've sort of centered my life around, questions about what is my place in the universe? How did the universe begin? What is the scale of reality? Mom never had any time for these things. So even though we were so close, and, and she remains my true inspiration in life, she never had much use for my profession. 
I don't understand how people can't be fascinated with the skies. I mean, here you are, this person who's probably my, my most you know intimate contact in life. And I mean, the moon is up there every day changing, right? I mean, it's, it's not the same phase. It's in different parts of the sky. Sometimes it's up during the day, sometimes up during the night. There are these little lights up there that change you know, over the course of the year. No. I mean, you, you never wanted to know anything about that? No. No, I... It's the truth. I mean, I used to say to Michelle, you know, when she was in uh, elementary school and talking, talking, talking about the stars and the constellations and the names, you know, she was going to have children named Cassiopeia and all that kind of stuff. It never, never stopped. I used to say, Michelle, you know what? If someone said to me, this is a wonderfully dark sheet up there and we've just punched a couple of little holes in it, I would have been fine. I mean, I had no, absolutely no interest in anything else beyond that. So when people say, you know, okay, so you raised a scientist, right? I mean, what, what advice do you have? I mean, I think people come up to you and say, hey, you know, something went right with Michelle. That's right. <laughs> people have come up to me any number of times whenever I am with you and... There are your contemporaries in the same group. People very often ask me, what did you do? What did I do as a mother? Actually, what I did is get the hell out of the way. I mean, that's the only thing I could really take credit for because it wasn't a hobby. It wasn't a passion. It wasn't anything I'm interested in. But the only thing I really did is just let you go and said to you, go as far as you can. I think that in order to be able to pursue your dreams, in order to have the confidence to say, this is hard, this is going to take a long time, I'm not sure I can do this, I mean, to, to live with doubt, you know, I think that the, the only way that's really possible is with some kind of a, of a strong foundation. And, you know, this is what you gave me. And there is not a day that goes by that I don't think about you and that I don't think about, you know, you put me on that path. You gave me that strength. You're, you're never far away from me. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And you're certainly never far away from me. I think everyone who has children understands that the, the thoughts and the hopes and the desires for a good life for your children are ever, ever present. has been commanded by Lauren Ober. John Barth and Genevieve Sponsler co-pilot from the PRX Mothership. Erica Kramer navigated the soundscape, and Jim Briggs orchestrated the theme music. Special thanks to the studios of WAMU in Washington, D.C., Planet Earth. We are supported by the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation, enhancing public understanding of science, technology, and economic performance. More information at sloan.org. And I'm Dr. Michelle Thaller, a little bit of dead stardust, signing off for now.